0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hola, eh, benvindo a your podcast, a big strong Leicester Boys. Eh, espero que vosche estaja bem. Yes, thank you very much. That was my incredibly awful Brazilian of hello and welcome to the Big Strong Lester Voice podcast. I hope you are well. Um, my name is Jake Watson, delighted to say, joined by Jordan. Jordan, hello, mate.
2: How are you doing? I'm very well, mate. And, uh, How are you liking the music? I, I, I love the music. I've just got a little prop as well. A uh, bottle of cacha, which is uh, actually from when I went to Rio de Janeiro. Um, but I think it's the... I. Um, the main ingredient for Capriana, however they say it. So we're all feeling very Brazilian, aren't we, today? We definitely are. So, of course, um, you know, this is the
1: news that not only have Leicester made a signing, they've, they've made quite an exciting one. We, we've signed Tete, um, whether it's from Shakhtar or Leon, I, I still quite haven't completely worked that one out, but I'm not bothered. He's through the door. We needed a right winger. We've got one. We've never had a Brazilian before. So another reason why rule quite excited by this one and i was thinking he's probably got one of the easiest tasks of all time he just doesn't have to be crap he's gonna be one of our best signings in in recent years because we've been crying out for a right winger um we really really have so dead excited for it um so look hello said hello to, to jordan he's here today but there's no jack so jack mentioned a couple of weeks ago he is heading off to australia um and he's just sent us this message so let's have a listen
0: Boys, I'm, uh, I'm just about to board my flight to uh, to Oz, but um, while I'm gone, can you do me a favour? Can you check on Rick? Because I haven't heard from him since he sent a very excited voice note saying he was off to the BP garage to buy a load of pepperamis. Um And we've just signed Tete, so I'm worried he's got overexcited and done something. Um but yeah, keep me posted. Speak soon. I'll let you know if I speak to Harry Suter's family. So there we are.
1: Uh, Jack, uh, hope your, 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 your flight, your trip was safe and your land in Australia. Um, we will try to get you back on the podcast. But it does mean that Jack isn't going to be here for a few weeks. or well, potentially not here for a few weeks. So there has been another transfer. So delighted to say that, you know, after lots of public demands, the brilliant Rick Flair joins us on the podcast. And we think for, for the next few weeks, Rick. Hello, how are you,
3: mate? Are you doing Jake? Jordan, Joe. Thanks for having me. It, oh, it's brilliant. What a day. Yes. We've been it's delivered isn't it? on Lord's Day. <laughs> it's, I mean, we'll get into this last week. It's been a roller coaster for me. I mean, you boys have been subjected to my insanity <laughs> in the WhatsApp group, but yeah, what a day. And yeah, thanks for having me. And hopefully, I won't bring the podcast to its knees over the next few weeks.
1: No, I'm I'm sure you won't. Rick, you you mentioned uh, Joe as well, and that is the brilliant Joe Bruin, um, founder, co-founder of The Foss Way, and uh, yeah, formerly of of 4442. um, Massive Leicester fan as well, and and delighted to have him on the podcast this evening as well. Joe, hello, mate. How are you? As happy as as Jordan and Rick?
0: Hello, boys. I am indeed. I mean, we know in the last pod that Rick chucked a 10 out of 10 in on the rating. So how can anyone not be... Ecstatic after hearing that. To be honest, I thought it was a deal that was going to be too much effort to pull off, but they've done it quick. Yeah. Fair play.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Rick, um, seeing as this is your your first proper guest appearance as as a, as a host on today's yeah. uh, episode, the last couple of weeks we've been sticking in some some rest of the theme tunes, which uh, I know that Jordan's a big fan of. Um, so today, uh, we're going um with. I hope you like this one. This one. I
3: think I- Sexy, I've got the look. They try to go while I've got the move. They really move up. I sense you up and down there. Fine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm
1: not boy. <laughs> That's, of course, the brilliant Sean Michaels, a uh, sexy boy. And look, I'm Rick, have we ever done the story on on you being Ric Flair and and why you are Ric Flair? Because am I right in saying as well you're not even that big of a wrestling fan?
3: No, don't like it, mate. Really, um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know why I'm called Ric Flair. I mean, I named myself when I joined Fox's talk, but it was 2004. I mean, what's that? 18, 19 years ago. So can't remember. But I mean, I think over the years I've grown into the name because you know. I only really care about wingers and the purveyor of flair. So, you know, that's the name's just taking care of itself. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really know one called Rick Flair. I don't particularly like wrestling. And uh, I enjoyed mm. the song, though, and you know, I'm happy to go along with any wrestling regalia. But, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a bit of probably a bit of a dump squib, the name, really. Mm.
1: we're open to requests if there's any particular wrestler theme tune music or or whatever you would like us to include on the podcast we will definitely do that um rick do people you know you know away from fox's talk and and social media etc do they also call you rick or are you are you alex to them uh no
3: i've got loads of different (laughs) nicknames to be honest i am i if you follow me on Instagram, of course, Svenska Malp's on there because um, <laughs> you know, I've got a horrendous Sweden tattoo on my wrist. So, uh, yeah, that's one of my nicknames. My main nickname's Bean. That's what all my friends call me, which, again, my name on Twitter's Bean Mallard, and that's leaving my surname. So, yeah, it's, it's probably hard to actually land on what my real name is. Because <laughs> yeah, it's... Rick flair's just one of many, many names, and it's probably because I'm a really deeply boring man, and I try and make myself a bit more <laughs> interesting.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to stick with we're going to stick with Rick Flair anyway uh, for the Big Strong Leicester Boys podcast. But Jordan, as as Rick mentioned, and Joe as well, you know, it was a complicated deal um getting Tete over the line. I'd mentioned in in the group chat that. I had a fear it wasn't going to happen because you know it was complicated, and also in in many ways it felt too good to be true because this was a player that you know we all wanted, you know, and and with all due respect, you know, particularly where I'm at at the moment, I don't have a huge amount of faith in in the club in terms of getting these deals over the line, you know, particularly ones that that cost a bit of money because we know that you know we're not flush with cash, um, so so getting a player like Tete in is, is it's really exciting, isn't it? And uh, again. You look at them positions like Christy Anson, you want somebody to come in straight away and, and make an impact. We really hope Tete can, can do the same. And, and as I alluded to at the start, he has probably got one of the easiest jobs that uh, any recent signing has had, because all he has to do is be decent, because we've, we haven't had anyone really in that position who's nailed it down since Riyad Mahrez.
2: Yeah, I was, um, I was playing football this morning and I finished the game and saw it on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, and it perked me up. We did win two one as well, so it was a good morning. But um, you know my thoughts on January transfer windows and certain television programs and so called transfer experts on Twitter and so on and so forth. Um, and I was a bit like you, Jake. It, it seemed a bit either too good to be true or too complicated to happen. Um, I'm still not a hundred percent sure on the intricacies of the contract or the deal. Um, sounds like we've bought him out of his loan at Leon. And he's going back to Shakhtar in the summer. But, you know, we're, we're, I imagine we'll negotiate some sort of deal in the summer, hopefully. But, yeah, yesterday, um, you know, Pratty was out on the right at, at one point. Um, probably says more, you know, I actually didn't have a drink yesterday before the game. Um, but I can't remember who played on the right yesterday, um, who started the game. Well, it was Madders, wasn't it? It was Madders, yeah. Nice. But he, keep, he keeps coming inside. Um, and, you know, them two aren't natural right wingers. So... Like you say, Teddy's got I suppose he's got a lot to live up to just because he's Brazilian and all of our fans are absolutely ecstatic we've signed him. But at the same time, since rehad we we've not had any threat on that side of the pitch. Um, you know, other than Timmy getting forward. But yeah, it's very exciting. I'd throw him straight in uh, mm. next Definitely. week and and uh, hopefully we get a bit of bit of magic, bit of samba, bit of samba magic from the lad. Joe, as
1: the the proper journalist amongst us, um we are we are looking we are looking to you. Can you explain this this deal? Because it is a complicated one, isn't it? You know, that he was on loan at, at Lyon, but officially shaq does, but because of the war in Ukraine and yeah, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I've seen a few people tweet and, and I'm still not one hundred percent sure. So, you know, without um throwing you under the bus and putting you under pressure, um do you do you understand it? Can you explain to people what exactly the deal is?
0: <laughs>
1: that that noise is <laughs>
0: Well, you're, you're right. As far as I understand it, he's out of contract at the end of the, like, the, the calendar year. So there's hmm. this weird bit in the middle where technically he's supposed to go back to Shakhtar Yeah, year. But realistically, it's, it's going to see how he does and someone's going to buy him in the summer. That's how it's going to work. He's not, he's, he's not going to go back to Ukraine. So I think it doesn't really matter how, how it's going to work exactly. That is the reality of it ultimately. But yeah, I mean, I'd, I haven't even seen a story that says how much we're paying for this loan. Um, mm. I don't really mm. care, but just happy to have him. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a strange deal. And that's why when the st- first story came out, just the, the reports basically said it's going to be hard to do. And you don't expect us to get a simple transfer done, let alone a complicated one. Uh, I'm not sure why it was so easy to get him away from Leon. Um, yeah. Well, mm. I'd, I'd imagine our situation just meant we've parted with a few quid. They weren't going to sign him anyway. and. Everyone kind of gets something out of it at the end of the day. So, yeah, I'm excited. But it's quite nice to have a player that you don't really know much about because the expectations are low but high at the same time. I do feel for him because he's, he's got a <laughs> tough job coming in. Yeah. But at the same time, the bar of who's gone before him is so low that he, he almost can't be any worse. So exactly, I'm hopeful.
1: I'm hopeful. No, and I I think we should be And It is a little bit bizarre because you mentioned him, him being at Leon. I think he scored six in, in 17, which is a pretty decent return. And and Leon had let another couple of other players go in this window. And they've just agreed a deal for that Malo Gusto, the, the right back to join Chelsea, but that isn't until the summer. It does feel strange that they have allowed this deal to happen and, and they weren't able or wanting to, to make it permanent because he appears to have, to have done a good job there. Um, but but Joe, I mean, I, I have watched the the highlight reels, the things on YouTube, probably just like everybody else. And I know Rick has been going on and on about this um, this left footed right winger. He he does feel like, in terms of the player that we we have been crying out for. You know, we've had the Perez, the under, um, all these players we, we've tried there. But this this guy, in terms of the style and, and actual position that he is, is the most suited, and on on paper, the best out of the lot, isn't he?
0: Yeah, we just we want to see someone who's going to have a go, like like Riyad used to do in the end. I mean, he was on another level. I watched the highlight reel of him the other day, and it, it yeah. basically brought me to internal tears. Um, <clears throat> but you know, think with Harvey Barnes in his in his good old days when he would run at someone and he would have a go and he'd have a trick. I think we're expecting that of him naturally. Uh, I mean, Gis- Giselle and Under just were not good enough. They they were barely capable of, of stepping onto a football pitch. Uh, All Brighton's not been that guy who's got the pace to run by players. Um, and Perez, same with him as well. You know, even when we were playing well, it never it always felt like a square peg in the round hole up there. So I think, yeah, you're right. I think this is this is the player that we have been looking for 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 a long time now, um, and it was going to change the way we play. I think. I think I saw Owen. Palmer Atkin tweeted earlier that Brendan Rodgers had told him that it might mean Kalechi plays more now because it it means that now we've got two wingers who can get in behind. It sort of reduces that dependency on the striker up front to do a lot of that work. So if it's going to involve that, that's another positive.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I want to talk about Kelechi, actually, um, a little bit later on on the podcast. But, but Rick, again, um, I'm th- going to look to you as, as the expert amongst us when it comes to, to Tete. You have done the research. You know all the numbers. You know everything about this player. Um, yeah. Why, why is he so suited to, to the way that we play? Because this was a player that you wanted Leicester to sign long before he'd even been linked with Leicester. So this was like yeah. the, the, your wet dream when he got linked with the football oh,
3: team. unbelievable. I mean, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was, do... <laughs> <laughs> I do just have a relentless list of wingers that I keep posting. So, I mean, in in, in a lot of averages that most people are going to be on there. But, no, he is one that I've long scouted and he's brilliant. I mean, we were linked with him about a year ago, um, which I read that Rob Tanner article earlier on The Athletic and apparently Martin Glover tried to get him at Southampton and had a number of chats with uh, the player and... With Tate and his dad. So whether we all back then were also, you know, knew that Glover might be coming in. I can't remember the timings on when Congerton was off, but we were definitely in for him just uh, sort of February, March time when it looked like we could sign outside the window. FIFA had said that those players could leave, but I think the Premier League said that they couldn't. So we didn't go for him and I think financial fair play, but he just, He's unbelievable. I mean, his first touch, is not as good as Mares is, but it's good. Pace-wise, he's phenomenal. Um, goals, assists, dribbles. I mean, the one thing that's probably what Brendan loves as well is actually his defensive stats are very, uh, very, very good. You wouldn't think that of him. Um, you know, you think defensive stats as a winger, you're all Brightons, Perez's, but he's actually got that, which is brilliant. Um, and it's not even what he brings... As a player, it's what he probably does for Barnes. He frees up the space for Barnes because, you know, Barnes hasn't been that good in recent months. That when, when the defences are set, he can't take players on, which frustrates us, can he, even though he's got it in him. But if he's got space to attack, he's, he's unbelievable. So by Teto being on one side, the, the opposition can't sort of they'll they'll, work, they'll be jockeying to see what to do and that'll give Bars more space. And even Dakar, who's been abysmal recently, he'll probably get more space if he plays. Uh, yeah. It just, every, the whole attack just has a new lease of life. So he's brilliant. Um, I mean, I, I have said he's a 10 out of 10 in the years and I, you know, I I don't have any room for negativity on this one. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously he's not Mark Peek like I said, yet, but I think he could be. And he's got no, he's got no challenge to that position. He's going to, first Brazilian, you think how well that Telemans was as a folk hero, um, you know, three years ago and he came in on loan in a, probably a similar circumstance. No guarantee that we get him next season. But, you know, quickly the fans loved him and were singing him so He will be a fan's favourite. And from Real Fox's talk yesterday... So somebody who who must be down at the training ground or the club said he was blown away by Seagrave. Um So okay, you know the 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 Benjamins will be what really uh, matter come June and the money. But he, he probably he will be blown away by it. And we've got to now flatter him, haven't we? And I will be. I've already been sending him loads of messages on Instagram, <laughs> and he hasn't responded yet. It's true. Yeah, i only coming over from Leon, but um, yeah, it's just oh, unbelievable. It's been a very stressful week for me. The Friday morning when that article came out about Leeds signing so him, I went yeah. wild. I was on a work call and yeah, somebody thought there'd been a family bereavement or something. Uh, no, he's in. So come on.
1: Uh, no, honestly, I I was going to put together a montage of Rick's voice notes throughout the course of the week to <laughs> tell the story of his week to truly paint a picture of what it's been like, um, in Rick's head, um, for the last week. You know, when it was the excitement of him signing, then him not signing, then eventually signing. It has been a whole load of fun. It, it has. Um, George, I'm I'm glad Rick mentioned. Harvey Barnes there and I'm conscious of him dominating too much of the conversation on this week's pod because I know he did last week and caused a little bit of a storm on on Twitter when we we posted some of what was said um, on on Twitter but he does make a very, very good point, Dazar Rick, that having two wingers, two real outlets it is going to free up not just Barnes but Dakar, just everyone because at the moment we are an incredibly easy team um, to defend against because we can only really go down one side and and not only is it going to free up that attack Again, what we've been saying, you know, throughout the course of, well, when we signed Vout and then also with, with Chris Jansen is these new faces will give everyone a lift. And, you know, and then it's also an added bonus that he's a great player as well, doesn't it? So, you know, we, we have every reason to be excited by this.
2: Yeah, obviously, Joe and Rick have kind of alluded to it there, but, you know, he's going to breathe fresh life in, into the whole eleven. I think, Um you know, I'm not getting carried away in terms of Yuri staying at the end of the season. Maybe we sell madders, but a, a player like him, or even the intent of the club to to try and lure a player like him from Leon or Shakhtar, should give a bit of a signal to the other players. Um, you know, that are leaving or out of contracts, what the ambition is, and um, especially with um, with Barnes. Again, yesterday at the the game, a lot of negativity towards Harvey Barnes. I put it in the group earlier, but, you know, Anthony Gordon's going for 45 million quid. He's got seven goals and three assists in 65 Premier League games. Barnes has got 29 goals and 25 assists in 130 games. So he's played twice as many, but he's, he's as Jack called him last week, his output his output machine, he called him, um, his output's phenomenal. And we're talking about a player that's just gone for £45 million. Well, people were saying they'd sell Barnes for £40 million. I mean, what planet are you on? Um, mm. And you, you can have a threat both sides. Um, you know, obviously, Vardy and Dakar have struggled through the middle on their own. They'll get service from both sides. There'll be less um, pressure on um, Madison um, to basically run the whole team uh, when we've got the ball um and there's an outlet for yori for and Madders on either side and um it is exciting for the for the whole balance of the team i think um and obviously you know we'll come on to Iheanacho, i assume but i'm really pleased for brendan because he's he's obviously wanted um a winger he obviously still wants a center half um and you know i'm obviously watching <laughs> the really staunch rogers in man but He's not really got any excuses until the end of the season now. He's got the the tools that he wanted. Um, hopefully we get another center back in before the deadline. But um it, it's really exciting for for the whole team and the whole club. And just before we move on, I, I wanted to just say, because you know, we're quick to point out when we think the club get things wrong, I thought the announcement was really, really good. Um loved the Brazil Street photo and I love the um was it from Brazil to Braunston? I love From Brazil that. to Braunston, and, and you yeah. know, I I don't know whoever published that or whoever came up with that. They might not be from Leicester, but that kind of thing is what you want to see from from the club accounts where they actually strike a chord with proper Leicester fans who are from yeah. around the, the, the mm. town. So, yeah, I thought it was really the whole thing was really well executed, and looking forward to seeing him play now.
1: Um, and on the subject of seeing people play, we did actually see. The signing, the other one that we've got in this window, Victor Christiansen, uh, play yesterday, George. Let's have a quick chat about the game, shall we? So it was, it was hard work, but I think if I'm completely honest, it went exactly how I thought it would against Walsall. You know, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Not too dissimilar to to Gillingham, never really under any real threat. But when you make that many changes to a team and when you're away at a League Two side, it's hard going. And, and more often than not, you know, nine times out of 10, you do eventually get the job done. And that's exactly what happened. Um, George, you were there. What what did you make of the performance? And then I suppose the, the little that you did see of Christianson, I know it's a little bit hard to, to judge. You know, a substitute appearance against a League Two team. Um, but yeah, what did you make of make, make of the weekend against Walsall?
2: Yeah, I, I think like you said, Jake, exactly what I expected. Really, obviously there was the vintage Leicester City quick start, and they I think they flashed one across the box and nearly scored after about ten seconds. Um, but after that, you know, first half we. Um, we weren't at our best and it seems to be a case that in the second half we really upped the tempo of the possession and you could tell that yesterday and again a lot of negativity i mean i thought we could have had four or five on another day um obviously tielemans misses the pen which is a bit unlucky because it it's come back off the foot of the post um and second half i thought we were we were worthy winners to be honest um and look it's not easy playing these League Two sides. I know it sounds ridiculous, but they have 11 behind the ball, camped out in their own 30 yards. And people, again, screaming at Barnes to beat, run at people. Well, it hasn't got the room. You can't beat two, three men in that short space of the pitch. So um, it was it was a tough game. The Cup is just about getting in that velvet bag. And you look at the teams left, I think both you're not, uh, both Manchester teams are in it. Spurs, Brighton. And then you'd be looking at us and West Ham would be fancying it. So um, now we've got the, the Brazilian lad in, might get another one in. Like I say, get a good draw in the last 16 and we could be looking at another quarterfinal. But um, yeah, the, the, the um, Danish lad really impressed me. I know he's playing against League Two opposition. Uh, it was funny seeing him say to Barnes after we scored, he actually went over to him and it looked like he was saying, When I overlap, give me the ball. (laughs) Um, I don't think Barnes was used to someone running past him. I've never seen that before. Um, But again, it it should help because if Barnes comes inside onto his right foot, Christensen can overlap on the outside. Um, And I tell you what, he's a big fucker as well. He's a proper proper Scandinavian. He's rangy, isn't he? Oh, he's a big lad, yeah. Mm. Um, And I was impressed because even when you're playing against opposition like that, it's about your decision-making and making the right decisions. And he, he looked like he did that. Um, and actually, Walsall is the first time I've been there because when we played them in League One, I was down at Brighton Uni with Joe. Um, and driving past it on the M6, I always thought it looked like an absolute tit. <laughs> quite, quite a nice little ground. I quite liked yeah. it. And um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was number 78 for me. I've, I have cheated a bit. They're not all with Leicester, but I, w- I was quite happy to see a new ground and a 1 0 win to get us in yeah. the hat. That's good work, that good work, 78. Um,
1: yeah, 11 teams, 11 Premier League teams have been knocked out of the FA Cup. So, we saw in the League Cup, didn't we? Um, you know, with with Newcastle, Southampton, um, ourselves, you know, getting really deep into it. It looks like it could well happen with the FA Cup as as well. I mean, Joe, I know you want to talk about Ian Atcher, and we will do in a couple of moments, but with, with regards to the FA Cup, what? Well, what are your thoughts on it, really, this season? Because naturally, Brendan's always going to say that the cup is something he really wants to go for, and, and as fans, it's something we all want to go for. But do you think he's probably going to be a little bit more hesitant, in, you know, behind closed doors, in terms of if if he gets a particularly tough draw, he's going to be thinking, "Well, look, you know, ultimately, Premier League is is the focus this season."
0: I don't think he can be in a position to say that because. Oh, oh, yeah, obviously, ultimately, staying up is the number one priority. But I think Brendan's shown that he cares about the cups; He loves them. And I don't think he's got it. I don't think it's part of what he's about to to chuck in the towel with it. I think with whatever has happened to our squad this year, there are still players who want minutes and need minutes. So I don't think there'll be any question that we won't be taking it very seriously, um, especially with the teams that are, have gone out now. Um I think his track record shows has shown that and, you know, we'll hopefully give a, well, our squad will be in a better shape than it was by the time, you know, when we played Newcastle in the League Cup, which was ultimately a bit of a shambles. But who knows? You've got. I think if, as long as the schedule is not too daft uh, and you've not got a particularly important Premier League game close to an FA Cup game, I think he'll be playing his full strength team in, in most games, to be honest.
1: And what what did you make of of Christian? as as Jordan said, you know, he was looking to to go beyond uh, the winger each time. And you know, we've we again we're com- uh, wary of of talking about players that we've spoken about and criticised a fair amount over recent weeks. But Luke Thomas has come in for for a lot of criticism, um, and I think well, probably rightly so in in the sense that he does appear to just not be good enough. You know, so we are really hopeful that. that Christiansen Anderson does improve the team and from what I saw of him I, I think he will do that you know immediately and and kind of going forward as well I see lots of room for improvement from him
0: yeah I do think he will be a bit of a, a breath of fresh air down that side it would be quite interesting to see how he does link up with Barnes because we know Barnes doesn't like to get back so you know Christensen can't be bombing on all the time but it might just involve someone from midfield dropping back filling in I don't know how it's going to work but I don't think I think you're going to want to utilise Christensen in that way because I think it can only help Barnes you know, we've seen that Barnes is, is best when he's working one-twos and linking up with people like KDH. Um, but yeah, I mean he got forward, he had a shot, he should have had an assist, to be honest, at the end as well. Yeah. And he have. I think from the last pod, you know, the scouting report that Klaus gave when he was talking about his mentality and his work rate, it was just like it's music to our ears. This is what this team has been lacking all year, that physicality getting bullied. And you look at him, I mean obviously we haven't seen him much yet, but you don't think that's going to happen with a player like that. So I am excited about him. Mm.
1: Rick, um, your thoughts on on the game against Walsall, and then if we can kind of move the conversation round to, to Ian Nacho, because, of course, you know, the reality is, is he did change the game when he came on.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, as you've all said, it was, it was always going to be a bit frustrating, you know, 70% possession uh, and then camped in. But first half was typical laboured, where you can tell that second half, They'd obviously had a bit of a bollocking at half-time and needed to up the ante, and we did. I read a stat that yesterday was the most shots we've had in a game since that home game when we were crowned champions against Everton, which was one of the most one-sided masterclasses I've ever seen uh, when we won the Premier League. So, you know, it was a bit frustrating. It was only 1-0 yesterday, but, you know, you got to put to one side it was only 1-0. We were comfortable and it wasn't so much, it was abysmal finishing. It was, we played a right second half. I, was, I can't fault it really. Um, you know, Everson now four games, not conceded a goal. Now, okay, they're mostly lower league, all lower league opposition, but he, he looks, he looks like he's an interesting one for me. I think if Ward did get injured, I think Everson would not let us down and we'd probably all be livid if he if he was then dropped again. I, I think there's there's more to come from him. But, um, yeah, Christensen, I, I was really impressed. You know, when we signed him, I was, I was happy. The, the one thing on him that I was a little bit unsure of, I didn't know how quick he was. He looked like he was powerful and aggressive, but I didn't feel like he might have the pace. But I thought yesterday he looked really, really, you know, he moved. So I can't see that being an issue at all. And the one thing that seems to be a common theme on our new signings now is they're aggressive and they hate losing, which, mm. you know, what have we said over the years, even the successful years in nineteen, twenty, twenty, twenty-one, we just sometimes didn't look like we cared if we lost. It was like we were re- relieved just to be out in 90 minutes if we'd had a, bag, you know, a, a tough physical game. Whereas those boys, they won't let us do that. Same with Fass. Um, and hopefully Tete, you know, he, he's another one that, hopefully bring us that and I don't think we're done in the winter either um, which hopefully there'll be more more players like that but coming back to Ian Accio, he's bailed us out once again hasn't he in terms of getting that goal you know 17 goals is it now in the FA Cup for us uh, or for us and Man City together and he's just he's one of those Brendan said it sometimes he starts games and he doesn't have a good game but don't they all you know how often do we not start games well yeah if we if we can if if Tete and Barnes either side of him works, because that's the thing, he's not a number nine. He likes to drop deep, but with two wingers bombing on, it could it could be the, the system to play. Um yeah. and Daka not doing himself any favours and Vardy's obviously been the pits this season. So um yeah, I I just hope we're now, you know, gonna navigate through this and, and find a, a formation mm-hmm. with, with the boys. Yeah. I mean,
1: I I honestly do think that Ian Atra is a lot more of a number nine than than people give him credit for. It's just because he is different to to Vardy and Dak. I mean, those two, because they do really do play on the shoulder. I do think Ian Atra is a lot more of a number nine than than people give him credit for. Um, And it is an interesting one, isn't it, Jordan? And it is a conundrum because people always say, oh, you're always a better player. We suddenly become a better player when you're not in the team, Um, which is in many ways correct. But I have always been incredibly consistent with being frustrated Ian Nacho's lack of minutes. He, as a footballer, warrants and deserves so, so much more game time at Leicester. And I've, and I know it is difficult with the formation and, and the personnel that we have had to, to try find a way, but I do think that, that Brendan should have found a way to get him on the pitch more because he does make things happen. And I think he's incredibly close. I think it's maybe one goal away from being Leicester's all time top goal scorer in, in the FA Cup. Um, and look, I know that, again, you know, he scored lots of goals in like Europa League and Europa Conference League against some lesser opposition and again in the FA Cup. And of course, it is easier to do it in games like that. But I've always been a fan of him, Jordan. I, I have. And I think, you know, Rick alluded to the fact that the other two that are playing in front of him, Vardy and Dakar, are not playing well to say the least and you've got them three strikers only one of them looks like he's capable of doing anything and that's the one who sat on the bench every week and I just think that Brendan has to find a way to get him into the team
2: yeah I mean you both make some very good points there and especially um, Rick saying with Tete and Barnes either side I do think that will benefit Inacho. I've never been convinced of Iheanacho I have to say um which is probably where we we disagree and a lot of people i think do disagree with me but i don't think he is a natural nine in this team um and i think it'd be a manager's nightmare because you don't know what you're going to get you you know if sometimes he finds it as hard controlling the ball as he does whacking it in from 30 yards and you just don't know what kell is going to turn up he's a bit of a maverick um and he's not the most you know he's not the most mobile he's not the quickest so he's not going to get in behind defenses which obviously brendan does prefer the the two lads that are quick but that said he has scored some really crucial goals for us over the years especially in the fa cup and he's never really had that much of a consistent run in the side apart from that covid season when we played two up front and he he went on that run so i think it's probably fair to say that he he probably does deserve a bit of a run in the side um as a number nine now we've got two out and out wingers um and he he, like i say you just don't know what you're going to get he's so unpredictable it must be a bit of a nightmare to play against because he doesn't know what he's going to do after time so (laughs) the the defenders surely don't um and i actually thought about this this morning very different um standard and very different team but he reminds me of yakubu not the quickest but a finisher and a goal scorer and I just feel like I think the whole time he's been here, we have not been that team where he's he's a bit of a luxury because he, if, if he don't score, he doesn't do anything. Mm. Um, and obviously, when he was at Man City, they create 20 chances a game. So he, he was always going to score goals. But I do think, it, like like Rick says, if we get the two wingers out and out every week, I think it will benefit Ian game, game. It'd be really interesting to see if he can actually hold down the, the number nine position. Mm. See, I think he's he's versatile in the fact that he can
1: play, you know, wide right. I know obviously it's not his best position, of course, but he can do you a job there. He can play as a 10, he can play as a striker. I think after Madison, he's our most creative player. Um, I love the fact he's unpredictable and he is a goal scorer. Um, Joe, where do you sit on on this debate? Because clearly, you know, it, it does divide fans, doesn't it? You know, Jordan says that he must be a manager's nightmare. But also, at the same time, he thinks he must be a nightmare to play against. And again, okay. I love that because you don't know what you're going to get from him. And I think, in particular, Dakar, he's really easy to defend against. And with Nacho, he is capable of, of of absolute sublime moments of, of, of skill. And, and, and for me, I think you throw him in. I think you've got to get him on the pitch more.
0: I... I love the guy, obviously, but I'm definitely siding more with Jordan on this one, to be honest. I I think you're a bit roast tinted on him, Jake, I've got to say. Because, <laughs> so I think the only times he's played properly well for us, really well, was when he's playing with two up front. And, and to be fair, that's mainly because he, I don't think he has got the, the, the top qualities for, for a number nine, for for the team that we've been in the last few years. I mean, to be honest, for the first, I don't know how many, two two seasons he was here. I think he was way off the pace. We didn't fit the team at all. I don't know yeah. why we fit him in that in that instance until he until he came to the team and had that amazing purple patch. But he's got the worst first touch I've ever seen as well. Just to add that. <laughs> <laughs> However, he made that goal happen yesterday because he had a go. You know, and how many how many times do fans just get annoyed because players I think want- he always does, doesn't he? He does. No, he's, he's got, so as soon as that goal went in, I texted my mate and I said, he's just got the touch, hasn't he? Like, it doesn't, he's just got that golden touch where something is going to go in and he's in the right place at the right time. I do think circumstances have favoured him to the point where he's coming on in games where we need to chase something. We've maybe changed the system a little bit. Teams. He's coming on against weaker teams. Um, and I do think, I am. I, I do really like him, I do. I'm glad we've got him because he's a great option, and i would i am really interested to see how he does with these wingers but I do think that dakar although he wasn't great yesterday like his finishing was shocking I don't think he is easy to defend against I think he made a lot happen yesterday uh you know he, he those runs that he was making to the near post were really good and his finishing was appalling um he won the penalty i think he is has been our best option for that job recently um but unfortunately, his finishing is let him down massively. So it is time to let Collecty have a go in this in this team. And he rarely lets us down when it comes to putting the ball in the net. But whether he's got those qualities to be the link man um, by himself is, is another thing. However, another however, he's yeah. going to have Mavis near him this time. And that makes a big difference. Um, that will help him out a lot, I think. That could be the, the the key to him uh, being successful in that position. Now,
1: mm. I just think sometimes, you no, know, Leicester is such a difficult watch that everything is, is, is kind of very sideways. And when Madison, in particular, well, well, frankly, when Madison isn't in the team, sometimes you're just looking at it and thinking, well, how are we going to break a team down? How are, how are we going to create and, and, and score a goal? And you know, players like that are, are worth their their weight in gold. And you know. They are frustrating at times, of course they are, but but that's the nature of of the player that they are. And look, Rick, I know that at the moment you know it, it is January, so of course you know people people are you know very much focused on on that in terms of changes that they want to see. But to kind of look ahead a little bit to the summer, we we know there's going to be a huge change. Um, but the, the the striking department is is one that's a little bit peculiar, isn't it? Because you've got the two strikers Vardy and Daka who aren't going to be out of contract at the club, and you know they're unlikely to to leave the club in, in the summer. I mean, I personally do think that the DACA should go in the summer, but again, that's purely my own opinion. Um, but what would you do with Iheanacho? What would you do with him? Because he's on big money. And if he's going to be third choice, you know, Leicester can't really be in a position where they're paying someone, what, hundred grand a week to sit on the bench? He can't be far off that kind of yeah, salary, I, can he? I don't
3: know with Iheanacho what sort of salary he'd be on. He, he strikes me as a player that's probably never really like asked for the money like some of them have. He obviously he has signed a second contract with us. It'll be on some, you know, it'll be on north of 60, 70 grand at least. But I don't know whether he's he's on the mega money that some of the others are on. I think the thing with Ian Acho is his contract is up in 2024. Um, we've got so many players that are out of contract in the next 18 months. I thought he might go last summer, especially when we needed to raise funds, and I thought he And there were were some rumours there might have been a couple of nibbles at him, which surprised me when there's not been some proper bids for him. Certainly after that season he had with the back end of 2021, I thought that that would still carry forward as a reputation. We do need to tackle the, the conundrum up front in the summer, along with all the other positions. And that's what makes me a bit nervous because, you know, we've got however many out of contract, we've got potentially 10 new players to bring in in the summer, depending on how many we get in the next few days. Where's the money coming from that? But not even that. It's just like, how do you, it's a nightmare to try and get those players in, in any strategic fashion. But I do think, I mean, Vardy's not going a year early, is he? He's going to stay and I hope he does. I I was a massive Dakar fan and still am a Dakar fan, but I almost thought Dakar was as good as Tete when we signed him in terms of being so happy about it. Um, I just, I don't know. I, you know, I've got some I've got some potential options that we could go for. I mean, Lois Appender at Lenz, uh, who only went there last summer, I think he would be what we were hoping Dak would be. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they, they need to have a real good sit-down with Ianacho mm-hmm. in the summer. Brendan, what happens now in the next few months? And, and, uh, and you know, if Brendan's not going to utilise him properly, then we've got to shake hands and let him go. A
1: reasonable yeah. fit. Yeah, no, it is. It is a difficult. It is a weird one because, said, there is going to be so so much change, and you know, you look at the three strikers, and you could argue that, that none of them are, are the club's future. So you'd imagine that decisions need to be made there at some point as well. Um, Jordan, I see. There's a question here from you, which um, I'm absolutely going to cr- credit you for. It, it, it's a great one. We've been speaking about Tete and, and Madison, and, and that right, that wide right position, because that's where Madders has been playing at the moment. Now, of course, the assumption is that Tete comes in to the right well obviously not going to drop madison he's going to move back in centrally so what does that mean then for for the midfield players because you've had dewsbury hall telemans um and indeed in sumare and and mendy and i suppose perez in in some ways uh playing playing there um seeing as it is your question um what is your thoughts on that so madison comes back in who keeps the other two positions who 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 drops out i mean I, i mean for me it's got to be KDH and hope that at some point indeed, he returns to form. Actually, no, because there's no Tielemans. Yeah, I don't know what to do. What are you gonna do?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't take credit for the question because Jack asked it at me yesterday. And seeing as he is he's not here, I thought I'd uh
3: oh, I'd ask it cute. on his
2: behalf. Yeah. Um again, it's an absolute nightmare for the manager. Yeah. Um
1: because you need I a mean, sitter, don't you? You know, because because personally my, my three favourites would be Tielemans, Jewsbury Hall, and, and Madders, but you, you you're going to need someone who's going to sit and that means that one of mendy sumari or indeed has to, to play but um yeah so so which one do you do who do you drop because he's previously he's been very very reluctant to drop Tielemans, hasn't he
2: yeah i mean i wouldn't drop yuri um what i would do which might sound like madness because you do say you need a sitter and i i've um before previously said i'm not 100 percent sure that you necessarily do so i'm going to say thielman sits gets the ball off the back four dictates the game kdh can play deeper i think because he's got the energy yeah. to, to to break it up and then that frees madison higher up the pitch in the 10. so you're effectively playing kdh as a like a box to box a and Tielemans is what you'd kind of say is a four, like a Busquets kind of role. Um, and then you've got two out-and-out wingers and a striker. Now, the only thing that worries me there is we're absolutely honking at the back. <laughs> and it, it doesn't have any protection for a and Fez. Uh, but that's why I do. And the reason for that is, one, I'm not convinced of Sumari. he's yeah. injured any, anyway. Yep. Indeed, he's been Garbage. out of form. Yeah, and he's he's been picking up injuries. And I do like Mendy, but yesterday but he's not the answer. He's not the answer. And yesterday I thought he got bullied. I know, I know that's what it's very physical in the lower leagues. But and I think that's why Brendan doesn't play him that often in the prem because he's yeah. just too small and he just gets bullied. And that's not no fault of his own because on, on the ball he's really good. Yeah, he, he keeps is. it ticking. But Telemans could do that, I think. Um, mm. And in that way, yeah, you've got Yuri dictating the game, Madder's high up the pitch in the last third, making things happen. And you've got the energy of KDH. And I think those three, that is, a, that is a top midfield. I think that is.
1: All right. Well, there were nodding heads from both Joe and Rick. Um, Joe, I'll come to you. I mean, I don't disagree with, with what Jordan said, but what I alluded to earlier is that sometimes I do feel as a team, we lack creativity and people, you know, capable of breaking the lines, you know, running beyond their positions. And and KDH, we saw it even yesterday or against Warsaw, when he can pick up the ball and he can run 30, 40 yards with, with the ball and get us up the pitch. That kind of skill set, nobody else has in that team. And I I think if you were to ask him to be that sitter, you then lose that part of his game, which is a huge part of his game. And I'm not entirely sure um, I would be so bold as to to have a non Sitter playing in that that sitting position, particularly someone as you know explosive and, and positive as what Jewsbury Hall can be. I think yeah, I think you lose his his main positives as a player by doing that personally.
0: I I think KDH is undroppable for me. I think he, in this team, what he provides that energy mm. is I agree, with you, um, is not matched by anyone else. And I think he's so vital in a team that lacks energy and physicality. You can't afford to lose him for me. Mm. What I think you would see in this instance, I agree with. I think Jordan made a really good case for those three players, um, and partly just because the other options just don't have the same quality. And I think you could just have Yuri's played deeper before, and and he's and he's good in that role as well. because he? He, he that's where he lasers his passes through um, when when we've got a bit more space. Um, uh, physically, he looks always looks like he's blowing after about an hour. <laughs> But I think in, in maybe maybe against the better teams you you wouldn't play those three, and you might you might not even play Teta, you might put matters out wide again, you might you might shift it to more of a system like that and bring Dede or Mendy back in and that's fine um but I think based on the fact that frankly you know and Didi has been garbage, and Mendy's limited, I think with those three I've got a combination of qualities that could work um It's just going to require a bit more discipline from all of them. Right. Um,
1: before we play, who are you, uh, Rick? Your thoughts on that as well, because you were nodding with with what Jordan said. W- what's your three?
3: Yeah, it, I, it, I'm it, leaning towards. It. You, it's. I just can't. You can't drop. Dewsbury Hall, because our uh, Joe Senegy <laughs> is integral in our team. You know, the, there's a couple of scruffy weaknesses there that he'll improve on, but he is yeah. integral. Tielemans, I know he's potentially leaving, but again, his creativity and I just like the outlet that he gives, uh, you know, before the World Cup, he, he was almost playing as this little like, quarterback, getting on the ball um, and was helping us uh, and we were defensively looking stronger. The, my only worry is we did play Dewsbury Hall, Tielemans and we, we we didn't play a DCM. Um, during that last run towards the uh, Conference League and we some performances it didn't seem to work against the slightly better teams but, um, yeah, I, I think you'd have to uh, go with that and, and then see. If it doesn't work, then you got to bring in um, one of Ndidi, Mendy or Samari when he's back but, yeah, you, you can't be dropping either of them yet. All right, cool. All right then, I um... We will have a chat before
1: the end of the pod in terms of what we want to see happen over the next couple of days. I mentioned a couple of players that are still being linked, who've been linked for the last couple of weeks. Um, but before then, it is time uh, for a game of Who are, ya? Who are
3: You? Who is your daddy, and what does he do? Who are you? You?
0: No, not me. You? Yes, I am you. Just answer the damn questions. Who are you?
3: Wait a minute. Who? How
1: are you? Yeah, knows that part of the podcast where we have a game of who are you, yeah, where we guess a former, I suppose, or could be a current Foxes player, but I think that'd probably be too easy. Um, Joe, long-time listener, first-time caller, uh, you know exactly how this game works, don't you? I do. And I think it's me, Jordan, correct, as, as Quizmaster today? I it is, so. I'm, I think
2: Joe could be a dark horse Jake.
1: Oh no, I've I've Joe's going to be good I'm, I'm certain of it and I've been racking my brains of a, of a good one today. And as you say Jordan it's all about the clues. So I've gone with one which isn't hugely rogue but I'm going to see if, if if the clues can kind of make it a little bit more difficult for you. I wanted to mention as well, last week, Jack said when he was up against me that he thought he'd lost before the game had even started. Um, yes, I think I am winning over the course of the season. But at the same time, I do think I'm responsible for the two worst guesses so far um, <laughs> during these games. I, I guessed, was it Lillian Nallis for, for Frank Rowland? And then Dion Dublin last week. Um, for who was it last week? Bruno uh, cool Berner, cool <laughs> which are absolutely horrendous. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm sitting on the sidelines this week and taking the the role as quizmaster. So boys, uh, are you all ready? Are you good to go? That's yeah, we're good. good. Yeah. Rick, you've not played yeah. before, have you? Rick, have you played? I before? have. No, I've got have. Yes, straight
3: off the bat. Didn't
1: you I? You did. You did. As soon as I asked, I remembered you did. Again, um, right. Again, So let's see if that continues today for your second time. So nice, easy one to start with. Date of birth. Uh, I was born on the 25th of May, uh, 1980. So to to save you the math, um, he is aged
2: 42.
1: Right. So I wouldn't expect any guesses by this point. An interesting fact about me. I have played in five top flight leagues across Europe. We've got no guesses yet. 42. Played all around Europe, but all top flight leagues. Okay. I'm seeing three blank faces stare back at me at the moment. Um, I played for Leicester between the years of 2004 and 2006. So just the two seasons. Oh, I don't think we've ever done three clues and not a single guess as of yet um now my next one actually no i'm not going to go there because i think if i do that one it's going to become too easy so i i I played for a few clubs in england (laughs) there were a few that i'm conscious of making it too easy because as we said as soon as i do do it because this one isn't really really rogue i'm going to give you the answer um okay I signed from Real Betis in 2004 but I had been on loan to two English clubs beforehand but I joined from Real Betis in 2004 oh I thought I was going to get more from you then I can't remember anyone this is a good one then happy with this annoying me Okay, Um, this is like. um, I remember
3: so from (sighs) back
1: If it helps with the position, um, I am slash was a midfielder.
2: And he's got to have some pedigree to have played in the
1: top five European leagues. His dad was also a manager and managed Stoke City, Knox County, Barnsley and a national team but if I was to give you the oh, I've got team.
3: it very yes, good yes oh, no.
1: <laughs> yes Rick Flair. Oh. So my, my dad has managed Stoke Notts County Barnsley and the Iceland national team and yeah if I'd said that he'd also played for Burnley and, and Huddersfield and, and Villa and Wolves um then I thought maybe you would have got it um but yeah and one of you would have got it because we did. Obviously, we only ever signed one player from there, you know, as a midfielder, and, and that era played for a couple of seasons. And of course, you know, very well remembered, wasn't it? it was a, it? was a not particularly fun times at the
2: times, but he was one of the, the shining lights, wasn't he? What was a pretty poor team? I actually um, missed that goal from the halfway line. It was we getting pulled, a point, I think. No, I. So what? What year was that? Like two thousand five? doing <laughs> so about yeah. 14, 15. I wasn't, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't very well, um, and I just didn't go to the game. I cried it off a little bit, but we were shit, weren't we, back then? So I wasn't oh, really bothered about missing yeah. it. Big and then, time. and then Dad got home and he was like, "Oh, Joey Gualdonson scored from the halfway line." So obviously back then <laughs> you, you didn't have Twitter or anything, did you? You couldn't see yeah. the goals until the, the highlights later on. And I just remember the pitch was an absolute state as well. It was back then. Mm.
1: right before we we finish up this evening. Let's then talk about the remainder of. The transfer window. So, what this is going out Monday morning, we've got till what is it, Wednesday night or Tuesday night? We've got till Tuesday night, Tuesday night. so yeah. not a lot of time. Basically, um, two names I think dominate it's, it's Harry Souter. And Jack Harrison, I mean, we've literally sent Jack to Australia um, because we preempted that, that Harry Suter is, is going to sign is for Leicester. It's going to be a heck of a job for? trying to Who stick that you? for expensive. You. That doesn't no, happen. That mean yeah, um, I but but Rick, as our you. transfer oh, guy, God, um, God, Harry God. Suter and Jack oh, Harrison, it they, they feels like those are the two names, don't we? Particularly Harry. Although I did read today Alex Neal um, saying he now thought it was highly unlikely that Harry would leave before the deadline day which isn't exactly probably the news that people want to hear
3: Yeah and I think um, one of their centre-ars went off injured after about 10-15 minutes today so that's not not good I still think we'll we'll try and push for him Um, and I think he would bring I mean his aerial jewels are unbelievable and he's good on the ball and he's quite quick for a 6 foot 6 bloke so if we can't get him We need someone of that profile, it feels like, if that's what we're going for. I do feel like there'll be just a player that we are going to go for that isn't those, and we'll probably find out about it tomorrow. I can't imagine we'll find out about it Tuesday and then land the player. So, if we haven't heard of anyone new tomorrow, then... I, I don't think we'll, we'll you know, spring a surprise. But you? yeah, a, so and, and Jack really Harrison. Um, I, I we, before we got Tete. I was a bit negative about Harrison. It was probably a bit yes, unfair I'm on him. But you know, I was Eds were going to roll if that was who we were bringing in <laughs> it over Tete. Um, but he, he's one of those. I, I think it's a bit unfair to worry about players when they're twenty five, 25, 26, that come from the Premier League that have done half decent, but. You know, Perez, it scares me because you pay a lot of money for him, even when they've only got a year and a bit of the contract to go. But Harrison, he's energetic. You know, he he was unbelievable in that Bielsa system. He plays more on the left than he does on the right, but he'll cover both positions. Uh, You know, give Barnes a kick up the arse if he's got some competition, like what happened with Luckman last season. So, you know, I I personally don't think Harrison will come. I think we'll get Soutar. And I do think we might get another winger stroke versatile, versatile attacker, but who that is, I don't know. But I'm very obviously excited because that's music to my ears and there won't be any work out of me in the next 48 hours. Um,
1: <laughs> um, Joe, um, with, with Jack Harrison, it was a bit of a stranger, wasn't it? Cause I, when we first heard the name, I was like, where did that come from? Um, and if that was an either-or situation, I don't think anybody would have rather Jack Harrison instead of tete but like similarly to to rick now we've got tete if we also got in jack harrison as well you know i'd be pleased with that because you know having options on the wings and, and he is a decent player but i'd be a little bit aware of, of knowing how much we, we would spend on him um but as you said he, he's an energetic he's a proven premier league player my just feeling on him is, is that I'm not entirely convinced that he wants to come to Leicester and, and maybe just maybe we might be being used as some kind of leverage to try get himself a new deal at, at Leeds I mean what, what's your reading of the Jack Harrison situation because I have to say I don't think this one will happen
0: no, I agree with you, actually. I said the same thing in a WhatsApp group yesterday. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he's just using it as good leverage. I mean, why wouldn't you? It seems that the initial story that came out suggested that he did want to stay at Leeds. Um, you know, he's been there a while. He's done, he's done well. His output's been good in the Premier League. And I think he'd be actually a pretty sure thing. Not a sure thing to be dazzling, but a sure thing to be to give you good, good work every, every week. I'd be happy if it, if it turned out well, because we ultimately we're still short sure of options you know, whatever happens. Uh, but like you, I don't think it'll happen. I'm not sure Leeds would just snap her hands off for £20 million. I think we'd have to go a bit higher than that as well. And then he's going to want a nice, juicy contract because he's, he's he's in a very good bargaining position. So I don't think it will happen, but I quite like... The, the one thing about the theme of this transfer window is that I haven't really heard of a player that I've been like, well, why are we getting it with him? I think mm. I'm happy with the names that are coming out right now. And I think we're getting back... Onto an even keel. So long as we can stay up, you know, I'm hopeful of like the summer, for example. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that, actually, Jordan. So worst case scenario, if we don't
1: get Harry or Jack or or, or frankly anyone else now in before the the window. For me, the two positions we absolutely had to strengthen was left back and, and right wing, which we've done. Um, yes we know we want to improve the centre half position but I'd like to think at some point Johnny might be able to give us a few games before now at the end of the season and I do think Dan Marty is better than, than people give him credit for so look if we do sign the centre half now great um, but if that one that we really want isn't available until the summer then I'm okay with us waiting until the summer so worst case scenario we don't sign anybody else now do you think we've got enough do you think we've done enough now to be okay
2: this season um, I don't know if we have done enough, but like you said, we have targeted the two positions where we really needed to strengthen um, and get some competition for Thomas at left-back. I mean, I've seen we've been linked with this Per Shuz, is it? The, yeah. The Torino lad. Uh, but, I don't know a lot about him. <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: but he's, he's, he's played for Ajax and Torino this season. So he can't play for us anyway. I'm, I'm completely Ooh. bemused as to why this link even exists. Why would we spend thirty million pounds and give him Dennis Pratt on a player that we can't play this year? So yeah. we might be interested, but we're not going to sign him before the deadline, are we? So that that could. And, be and one he's barely
2: played for Torino as well. No, yeah, he's, I just he's
1: played like eight, I mean, eight
2: times. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe that that's one for the summer. Um, and obviously Pratt, I don't think wants to be here, and I think he was quite happy in Turin. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've probably got enough. If Johnny comes back, um, Ricardo can't be far away. Hopefully, he hits the heights of before his last injury because I thought he actually was getting back to his, his best best self again, and then he obviously got injured. I don't think we'll see JJ this year, but obviously it, he should be back for next season. So, like Joe says. Um, we kind of look like we're getting back on a bit of an even keel. I'm not that excited about the summer. I'm trying not to think about it because I think if we get all these players off the wage bill, um, well, we've got to replace them with players that are either equally as good or better yeah. on cheaper money. Yeah, which absolutely. Which going to be a yeah. really difficult, it could be a really difficult summer for us. But... Yeah, I, mean, I think we might get one more in, whether it's Suter. Um, the Harrison one was interesting. I completely agree with what you've all said who on Harrison. When we first got linked with him, I thought, do? don't know about you? that. You? No, but now we've got Tete on loan. So, oh, Jack Harrison questions. would probably who be a, quite a versatile who option in any of you? the front <laughs> three positions behind the striker and probably a better uh, option than Dennis Pratt, to be honest. So... I think we've probably just about got enough providing of course we don't end up getting any more ridiculous injuries
1: mm. um <clears throat> rick I, I think we're, we're nearing the end of the podcast i think the the kids need put into bed do they not um <laughs> see you later rick as rick flared did some some late night parenting um a guest appearance from darcy as well so look chaps uh, we'll leave it there um by the way, if, if people do want a, a podcast post-deadline day, then, then let us know and I suppose we can try to do that. But we'll just stick with some Brazilian samba music for now. I think we're all very, very happy with that one. Fingers crossed we get something done before deadline day. Uh, last words from, from you, uh, Jordan. Are you all happy? Are you all good? Um, anything you want to mention
2: before we go? Um, I suppose the only thing, just um, another shout out to Union FS for the food bank um against bright and i can't remember how much they raised but obviously a very worthwhile cause so just well done to them and joe
1: um thank you very much for joining us on the podcast this evening the fosse way uh where can people kind of follow read and, and keep up to date with everything you guys are doing
0: you can find us at the fosse or the FOSSway.net. simple very simple but effective some would say top stuff all right chaps then
1: we'll leave you with the uh dulcet i'm not sure exactly how you describe this it. brazilian samba music uh thank you all very much for listening we'll be back next week whether that's a uh, post deadline day or post aston villa but enjoy your week and thank you very much for listening to the big strong leicester boys
2: Podcast Network.